Hi, neighbor. You're in for a treat today. In this episode, my friend Jane Baker is on the show talking about adoption and adoption trauma. I'll share more about her in a little bit, but one thing you're going to notice right away is Jane's passion for adopted kids. It was her passion that made a huge difference in my son's life and my family. This is an episode where you're going to want to take notes. There's so much here. Hope and healing are on the way. Birth parents place their babies for adoption very often because they recognize, I can't do this and I want my child to have a better life than I can provide. That is so sacrificial and such. It is the biggest form of sacrificial love I can think of. Mm -hmm. And so was it with good intent? Absolutely. Did a child get hurt in the process? Yep. Hi, neighbor. Welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. I'm Tim Maudlin, husband, adoptive parent, Bible class teacher, and the persistent encourager. Did you finally realize your dream of having a family only to have your happily ever after turn into a nightmare? Have you ever been told you're failing your kids? Life can be tough. Storms in life are inevitable, but there are ways to remain anchored when life knocks the wind out of you. In Anchors of Encouragement, my mission is to throw adoptive parents a lifeline and be your anchor, to teach you biblical solutions for modern day problems so that you can weather the storms of life too. If you're ready for real and raw talk that leads to peace beyond comprehension so you not only survive but thrive in life's storms, this podcast is for you. Hope and healing are on the way. Hi, neighbor. Welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. I'm excited to introduce to you today my neighbor from Alabama. Her name is Jane Baker. Jane was a member of the treatment team for my son when he was away from us at the Residential Treatment Center for Teens. I mentioned that time that he was away from us in episode one. He was there for six months, so Jane got to know him really well. And she's probably going to laugh here, but I remember... Anytime he's around her, my son tries to act like he's the tough guy. But as soon as he sees Jane, and he's a lot taller than her, he stands up straight and he says, yes, ma'am. So he, uh, she really had enough impact on him. Uh, Jane has been and is an encouragement for my son and our family. She is an anchor of encouragement. And I want to welcome her today. Uh, Jane, it's so good for you to be here, and I'm thankful that you're willing to talk to my audience today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to do this for you. Well, thank you. Let me give a little background uh, for everybody. First of all, we've, we're talking that uh, you know you you are from Alabama, and I asked, um, are you Roll Tide or War Eagle? <laughs> and <laughs> and I decided to just be Switzerland on that issue. Um, I have a house divided, so I have one child that's an Auburn fan and the other child's an Alabama fan. And so just to try to keep the peace, I just pretend I just take both sides. <laughs> so. Well, that's fine. I mean, um, if you aren't going to work in um, social work anymore, you could always be a politician with those kind of answers. So you're good to See? go. <laughs> Sometimes it's whatever it takes, right? That's right. So. <laughs> let, let me share with you guys her background, she is the person you need to talk to when it comes to 
uh, adoption and adoption trauma. Uh, Jane received her undergraduate degree in social work from Fried Hardeman University. She received her graduate degree in social work from A&M University in Huntsville. She's been practicing for 25 years with a concentration of work in foster care, adoption, adolescence, and family. She currently is in private practice with adoption services in a history of private child care agencies, residential treatment, military contracts for adults and children, and her primary practice today is concentrating on trauma services. She has the experience. She is the mother of two adult children. She is a grandmother of seven, some of whom are adopted. She knows her stuff, guys, and she lives this in her personal and professional life. So again, Jane, thanks for being here. My first question to you is, why did you pursue this path in social work, adoption, and trauma? I ask myself that often, and um, I think in some ways this uh, profession sort of chose me. When I was in my undergrad, I was probably 19 years old, and they gave us this test, you know, that says what you're going to be good at. My top two were teaching and social work, and I was pretty sure I didn't want to be a teacher, so I became a social worker. Um, And um, so that's kind of how you think at 19. Uh, But over the years, um, I've just gotten, um, I had the privilege, really, of working uh, with adopted kids and foster children and training foster parents. And I always think there's going to be a special place in heaven for people who are uh, foster parents and do that job really well, because it's very, very difficult. I think parenting is difficult anyway. But I, I've tried to leave the profession a couple times and do different things, then I always end up coming back. I've I found it to be uh, enriching and fulfilling on so many uh, levels. And uh, so now um, I still am working in adoption. So I'm doing a lot of uh, home studies for people who want to adopt. I still work with birth mothers and birth fathers who want to place their babies for adoption. And then I have of course, the private practice as well. And um, I think one of the, the children years ago that got me into this um, I, uh, was was a child with reactive attachment disorder. And I credit her with kind of sending me <clears throat> down this path along with my supervi- supervisor at the time. Because these are the kids that were very difficult to work with. Um, lots of therapists didn't want to work with them. And for a long time back then, they were just sort of written off in terms of there's nothing you can do for them. And so they're better off institutionalized or or something along those lines. And they were. And they're not wrong. They're very, very difficult behaviors uh, to, to work with. So that got me on this path of trying to understand the effects of trauma on children as they are developing which is a little bit different than uh, trauma that occurs in an adult who's already maybe had sort of good enough upbringing, but then you have some kind of trauma occur that upsets everything and it's very, very difficult to come back from. Um, But developmental trauma is quite different. And um, so the long way around to your question is I found this profession to be uh, intellectually challenging and something to always be learning and uh, finding different ways to help people um, be able to live a, a better and, and richer uh, life. Well, I'm, I'm my family is glad that you stuck it out because 
my son, I know he wouldn't be where he is today had he not been around people like you when he was coming to terms with his adoption trauma. I've shared some of the story already in this podcast, but, and you know his story as well. We took him home from the hospital the day after he was born. We thought we were working with a clean slate, but we started noticing behavioral issues early in his life. And then it got to the point where it was manifesting itself in some unsafe ways as a teen. And it became necessary to have him placed where you were working at the time. And that was when we started to understand or be introduced to the concept of adoption trauma, which we had no idea what that was. We were counseled by a, a really special lady who was doing our social work at the time. We thought we were well equipped to deal with uh, abandonment issues and that kind of thing. And so we did everything we were told to do, but it wasn't working. That didn't negate the fact that there was trauma that he experienced. And what I would like for you to do is I've talked about adoption trauma. I've said I'm going to defer that to people like you who have studied it, who have helped people with it. You're the one of the authorities I consider on adoption trauma. So can you help us understand what is adoption trauma? And especially like with my son, he was a baby but yet he still had adoption trauma. So can you help understand that? And then I've got some follow-up questions about that too. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll give it my, um, I'll, I'll give it my best effort here because it's a very broad category. It, typically when we think about just the word trauma in itself, it is, a, is an event or a series of event uh, events in which your coping skills are just um, overrun. When we talk about adoption, um, and and as, as I said earlier, I think parenting anyway, parenting biological children is difficult. Parenting stepchildren is difficult. Parenting adopted kids and foster kids, it, parenting is difficult, uh, period, uh, at times. It's fulfilling, but it's also, it's also challenging. It's the only relationship that we have that we nurture toward separation. Every other re- relationship that we have, we nurture toward togetherness and longevity staying together but the task of parenting is to prepare our children uh to live independently and to have their own lives so it, it's the only one we have that we nurture towards separation so having said that when th- think about the introduction of trauma and and trauma can be on a continuum uh from mild to moderate to severe to extreme most of us can get our heads around extreme trauma in children. And we think about that in terms of abandonment, neglect, medical neglect, um, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. Uh, Most of us can get our heads around that. And we sort of understand that if I'm going to adopt someone with that history on the front end, I can sort of expect to have uh, some behavioral issues. In your case, and what the research is, is, starting to bear out more often than not is that trauma can occur in utero and that's the kinds of trauma that we don't often think about um if mom's in a domestic violence situation there's lots of of anger substance abuse certainly but also depression i I worked with a birth mother years ago with 
clinically depressed throughout her pregnancy. I've worked with her long enough to know that she wasn't using drugs and alcohol. She was just clinically depressed. But she didn't want to take any medication way back then. Um, and uh, she was so depressed, uh, she wanted me to make the adoption plan. She wanted me to name the baby and all, all these things, which I, I did for her and cared for her very much in that process. But when our little fellow was born, he was, by all accounts, a full-term baby and eight and a half pounds of, of lovely young man. And But he had no sucking reflex, so there was no medical reason to explain that other than he had been sitting around in mother's um, clinically depression chemicals, and he wasn't sure he was staying. So way back then, we were able to let, let the hospital sort of let us come in and supplement what they were doing with a lot of rocking and holding and talking to him. Certainly, most of that was done by the adoptive mother. And in about, you know, a few days, he, um, all systems were on board. And, and uh, my understanding is that now he can kind of tell you in two languages where you need to sit at the dinner table. So, um, but it's, and I used to, I remember thinking many years ago that the same thing, if, you know, if a child is too young to remember it, it can't really be a problem. And and I was terribly wrong about that, as were most of us. But the research is starting to show that babies experience what their birth mothers experience. And if mom's not attached to this baby, if she's under a lot of stress, then that has an effect on the developing brain and the developing um, sense of self that has a little bit of a beginning before uh, before birth. So certainly, uh, I think when people adopt, um, we all come to this a decision from uh, a loving place with a belief that we want to be parents and that we have a lot of love to give and uh, we want to help, you know, we want to share that uh, with a child. And, um, and so we come to the adoption process with a good heart and a firm belief that love matters and um, uh, that we have an ability to affect a child's life for good. I think we ha also have a lot of that with our biological children. We look forward to them coming. We think about what it's going to be like to be a parent and to have them as our child. And we, we think about those things. And I don't think adoptive parents are any different. Um, they also do the same kind of dreaming and thinking about what it's going to be like. But then sometimes we adopt a child who's got a wound in their little heart, for lack of a better way to characterize it. And um, I, I think I've said to you and certainly to others, you know, adoption is normal as rain, right? It's just different. So all of our uh, biologicals, when they grow up, they're answering certain developmental questions like, who am I? Who do I look like? Where did I come from? And where do I belong? And we just sort of absorb that information as a biological child. Adopted kids have the same developmental questions that they've got to ask, but they also have a part of their life that is built on loss. 
that who am I, who do I look like, where do I come from, has a different intonation, a different depth to it than our biologicals have. Why did I fall into this world of adoption? What? Why didn't my mom keep me? And then another question I think that kids, uh, adopted kids sort of need to answer for themselves and sometimes struggle with is out of all the kids on the planet, how come you adopted me? I think those elements in adoption of understanding that from the get-go, it is built on a loss. It is a loss for birth parents, but it's also a loss for children. And they may visit those losses at different points in their life. Those that wondering, um, does my birth mom think about me? Who do I look like? Where do I come? Do I have siblings? I have a whole set of people somewhere. Um, <clears throat> and I think as adoptive parents, the more comfortable we are uh, with being able, with that knowledge and being able to communicate with our children um, about that, uh, the more comfortable very often they can become with it. On the on the other side of that, there's no way to predict how a child is going to incorporate that information or to what degree they're going to struggle with. Uh, why didn't my birth mom keep me? Why'd she, why'd she give me up? And so certainly I think you'll see that played out in behaviors and and other things. I mean, often birthdays, Christmas, holidays, Mother's Day, and Father's Day can be problematic for our adopted kids. Because um, there is that piece of joy. I'm glad I've got my family, but I'm also sad I lost one. Yeah, I and, think with, um, I know in our case, we didn't understand the level of loss he was feeling. We thought that we could shower him with love and we never shied away from letting him know that he was adopted. I mean, that was just part of our reality. In fact, we celebrated what we call family day, which was the day the adoption became official. So, you know, he and his brother both got two birthdays. Right. And we thought, okay, that's going to be something that other kids don't get. They don't get two birthdays. But again, loving is not enough they have to be able to to process this and we found it manifesting itself in negative ways and then when he became a teenager it really got aggressive with it and we it's it's just now happening where he is telling us i'm sorry for the way i treated you because you guys were the ones who were always there for me and tell me if i'm right or wrong but the way we've looked at it is even though it felt personal, we thought we can't take it personally because it's not us. It's his loss. It's his pain that he's going through. And we just happen to be the, the punching bag, if you will. Right. Uh, yes, that's absolutely right. I mean, and it is so hard to realize that what, cause I, I, I think sometimes their behaviors, they want it to be personal. And a lot of times our children um, with attachment issues, especially in and more severe forms of, of trauma, they tend to go after mothers much more so than they go after fathers. And they can try to make it personal. And it is so hard 
to not take it personally. I don't I don't know if this is helpful, but I, I know we used to talk often with parents about the intensity of a child's negative behaviors. If you put it on one side of the scale, you know, those those scales like the scale of justice, you know, that goes mm-hmm. up and down. Right. So if you put the intensity of the behaviors on one side and then on the other side, uh, you could put uh, the intensity of their loss. And it will always balance out or their intensity of the pain, the emotional pain they're in. It will always balance out. And so one way to think about it is when a child is in intense pain, their behaviors are going to reflect that. And sometimes they do want to make it personal. I mean, you're the you're the living embodiment of the fact that they don't have a mom or they don't have a dad that kept them. And it's like I said, I mean, again, it is it's just it's ridiculously hard to get to that position where you're going. This is not about me. This is about him. And he would be doing this with anybody who was trying to be his parent. Mm-hmm. Because you're trying to figure out that part, that very painful part about those original people. And why did I get placed for adoption? Very often, that's part of it. That that um, typically under about the age of eight or nine, anyway, if anything happens in a family, biological or or adopted, uh, children assume some level of responsibility for it. It must be my fault. There mm-hmm. must be something wrong with me. And what a horrible thought to try to defend yourself against when you're when you want to fit in with other people. You want to fit in with your peers. But you've got this real doubt that you're maybe you're just not okay. Maybe there's something wrong with you. And that's the reason that um, I got given away. And, of course, we all know that that's not, that's not rooted in truth. It's an emotional and a child's perspective, a child's conclusion. But it's very powerful and it is very painful. And and most of us would would rather do anything in the world except look at our own selves and and um, think about maybe what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I know with um, that was one of the things early on when he was um, in his treatment with you guys that uh, one of the other team members um, commented to me because I saw he went to you guys with a lot of anger in his eyes. And I noticed from our visits and taking pictures, I I saw a light coming on. And I remember talking to one of them and I said, what's going on? And she said, he's learning to like himself. That's hard for me to hear because I said, he doesn't like himself. And she said, he didn't. And I thought, why wouldn't he? Because we had given him everything, all the love that we could muster. I mean, and then to find out he doesn't like himself, we felt, oh, we've we've let him down. But we hadn't. But he has to go. He has to process this. And I hope other adoptive parents are hearing what you said because the level of pain is reflected in the level of behavior, the negative behavior. I mean, that help, explains a lot. It, it's just. Well, you know, when it when a child is is 
Well, I think we could probably use this analogy with a lot of things, but I'm going to apply it here uh, to adoption. If I hit you in the parking lot with my car and I break both your legs, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether I did it on purpose or by accident. And so I'm going to let that sit on everybody for a second because the first thing you're going to do is, yeah, it does matter. It does. At the end of the day, not so much. You're just going to feel better about me if I get out of the car and I apologize and I pay your medical bills, call an ambulance, come check on you in the hospital, bring you food afterwards. You're just going to feel better about me. But not one piece of that has anything to do with helping your legs heal. Mm-hmm. I hand, I hit you with my car. I wounded you. You have to heal the wound. It's now yours. Yeah. And in adoption, when when children are placed for adoption, there is a wound that goes along with that. And we can't predict how much a child will think about that as a huge wound, a little wound, or an insignificant wound. But whatever it is, they have to do the healing part around that. And for some children, it is just a bigger struggle than for others. And we, we can't predict that. Does that make sense? Kind of oh, where yeah. I'm going with that? Well, um, be, so they does. got hit in the process and there's, and there's no, most of the time there's no malintent here. Mm-hmm. Um, birth parents place their babies for adoption very often because they recognize I can't do this and I want my child to have a better life than I can provide. That is so sacrificial and such. It is the biggest form of sacrificial love I can think of. Mm -hmm. And so was it with good intent? Absolutely. Did a child get hurt in the process? Yep. Yeah. So. Well, I know, and I, I don't want to go down this rabbit trail because it, it, this is multiple episodes as far as what he was doing to start to heal his heart. But just suffice it, um, I was told he was journaling. Mm-hmm. And he and I had a discussion about that after the fact. And I said, okay, I understand this works. And he said, yeah, it works. And I said, well, then why don't you do it more? And he said, well, Dad, it's just easier to blow up. Because mm-hmm. it hurts to dig deep like this. And that's mm-hmm. the journaling helped him dig deep and really put words to feelings that he didn't have words for. But he said it was just easier to blow up rather than face it. Sure. And I just, you know, and it, as you said, it's a level, it's going to be different for everybody. With adoptive parents, what are some of the, I don't want to get too personal with my son, so I'm going to let you kind of speak in generic terms. But how is adoption trauma manifested in their behavior that they might see some warning signs? Sure. Well, I think I think the most obvious one is you just really see that sort of uh, pervasive opposition. I often say that the kids, by the time parents get to me with their children for treatment, They've kind of been through a whole lot of other previous treatments that maybe didn't work or everybody um, that they know is offered advice and some of it's good, some of it not so much. But, you know, 
So very often um, our adopted kids, um, especially our ones, and I'm thinking more, my frame of reference right now is thinking more about the children that are adopted from uh, orphanages or from other countries where they've really, really had some real big mistreatment on the front end. And uh, sometimes our kids in foster care that we adopt out of foster care have had some uh, a lot of maltreatment on the front end as well. So I think a lot of times what you see is just a pervasive uh, pursuit of life on my terms. And so in the extreme sense, a lot of times we'll, they, they can just you know make you question your sanity. I chose to stop the interview at this point because Jane gave us so much to think about and process. I mean, I was present when <laughs> in the interview, and I've had to listen to this repeatedly to catch what all she has shared. I would encourage you to re-listen to this for your daily doable. Take notes, because if you have been like my, my wife and myself, if you've been in our shoes... When you're going through something like this with your child, it leaves you questioning your, your sanity. You really start to wonder, well, what is going on here? Because everything that we've tried, all the advice we have sought, nothing is working. It leaves you just feeling totally hopeless. I hope one of the things that has come out of this so far is that you will feel hope. Hope that there are solutions. Hope that you haven't uh, parented it in vain. Here are some takeaways from this episode. Number one, adoption is as normal as rain. It's just different. Number two, babies experience what their birth mothers experience. Number three, if you could weigh adoption trauma on a scale, the intensity of behaviors on one side and the intensity of loss on the other side will always balance out. Number four, when children are placed for adoption, there is a wound that goes with them. Whatever it is, they have to do the healing part. And number five, for some children, it's a bigger struggle than for others. In the next episode, we'll pick up at this point and continue. Jane is going to discuss treatment options and some of the things you should look for in a therapist. Before we end today, here's a preview of part two of my interview with Jane. We come to adoption with this loving, hopeful perspective. And we're adopting somebody who's got an inner wound. Now we've got our own inner wounds. And if we don't know what those are, the likelihood that those will intersect and enmesh becomes pretty good. That's all for today. Until next time. This is Tim, encouraging you to do what you can now. If this podcast has given you the courage and confidence to face storms in your life, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Tim Maudlin. You can also connect with me in my Facebook group, Anchors of Encouragement. So until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now.